Welcome to the Gentle Counselor podcast, episode number eight. My name is Crystal and I'm the creator of The Gentle Counselor, where I provide online resources to support the mental health and well-being of parents and children. Today on the podcast, we have a special guest with us, a very impressive Dr. Craig Springer, who is a clinical psychologist and licensed as practicing psychologist in New York and New Jersey. He is credentialed by the National Register of Health Service Psychologists and is a level two certified in team therapy and received specialized training in mindfulness and trauma-informed treatments. He earned his master's and PhD in clinical psychology at Fairleigh Dickinson University and completed his undergraduate degree summa cum laude at New York University. He is currently the co-owner of the Good Life Center for Mental Health and previously he was a director of the Center for Psychological Services where he was overseeing 10 doctoral training clinics at the Graduate School of Applied and Professional Psychology at Rutgers University. He was also co-director of the New Jersey Coordination Center for Child Abuse and Neglect Forensic Evaluation and Treatment. And prior to that, he served as a supervising psychologist at Newark Beth Israel Medical Center, where he developed a model for treating trauma. He has experience developing, conducting, supervising, and researching evidence-based psychotherapeutic programs for children, adolescents, and adults. Over the course of his career, he's given over 50 professional presentations and workshops, published numerous theoretical and empirical manuscripts, and he also co-authored a book entitled Game-Based Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Child Sexual Abuse, an Innovative Approach. He's served on the Practice Guideline Committee of the American Professional Society on the Abuse of Children and was an editorial board member for the Journal of Child Sexual Abuse and Reviewer for Psychological Trauma, Theory, Research, Practice, and Policy. He has expertise in the assessment and treatment of trauma, anxiety, mood problems, behavioral difficulties, interpersonal problems, and perinatal difficulties. And he, of course, enjoys working collaboratively with clients to assist them overcoming the challenges and difficulties that they are facing. So welcome to the Gentle Counselor podcast, Dr. Craig Springer. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. I am very nervous recording this, as I've already mentioned to you before starting, because I am just so impressed with how much knowledge and experience you have in the field of psychology. And I truly am humbled that you were uh, so excited to come and be a guest on my little podcast. Well, you know, it's it's great just having an opportunity to talk with different people and learn about what different people do and, you know, just um, explore the opportunities that come that come, you know, forward toward us. And, you know, this I, I saw you uh, and your post and your interest in interviewing people and you know it's um, it's not it's a great opportunity for me to get to talk with you and have the various people um, who listen to your podcast uh, hear some of the things that I have to say that might be helpful to them. Definitely. And I know that you're going to bring so much knowledge and information to the podcast today. So let's start off by talking about what mental health and well-being means to you. Well, mental health and well-being for me is about 
really enjoying life. It's, it's not just uh, going through life and trying to get through your day, but, you know, really having a fulfilling experience. And it, it's feeling confident about yourself and confident about who you are um, and what you're doing in life. Um, uh, there's tons of people that go into careers or are in relationships or, you know, other areas of their life that they're not very happy in. And to me, that's not really, um, you know, enjoying their life and, and living their life to the fullest. What well-being means to me is that, you know, we have a balance and, you know, we, we take care of our physical health and our emotional health, and that we try to engage in things in various aspects of our life um, that are very fulfilling and meaningful to us. And that ranges from, you know, as I mentioned, eating well, sleeping well, feeling healthy, but also being able to have meaningful relationships with other people. It, it, it has to do with finding a purpose that you have in life that, you know, you, your career, other aspects of your life that you enjoy, and really participating in, in a well-balanced um, life that you enjoy waking up each morning to. It also means that you're able to cope and thrive um, with whatever life happens to throw your way. And, you know, so there will be good days and bad days. And truthfully, not everybody's entitled to have a good day every day. Um, there are going to be good days and there are going to be bad days, but the vast majority of your days should should hopefully be good. And if that's not happening, then maybe it's time to make a change or get some help so that you can start to enjoy life in a different way. Yes, I totally agree. And I think it's really important to understand that, yes, we won't always be perfectly happy or doing things amazingly all the time, but obviously we need to be looking out for those warning signs when things just aren't quite right or if things are feeling like they're never getting better or you're never feeling any of those, you know, feelings of joy or love in your everyday life. So right, is there exactly. a um, mental health concern that you have at the moment? Well, I, I work with a whole range of people um, and, you know, I, that's what I love to do. I, you know, I worked at the university for uh, several years and what I missed most was dealing directly with people. And now I have a practice where I work with children and adolescents, adults with a host of mental health difficulties. I, you know, I would say the majority of the things that I work on are in the area of mood difficulties. So people that have depression, anxiety, grief, other types of difficulties that um, are related to their, their mood or their state. Um, you know, people that are having difficult relationships, um, you know, intimate friendships, it could be, or intimate relationships, it could be friendships, it could be coworkers, um, habits that people want to change, uh, like procrastination, excessive spending, hoarding behaviors, things like that, and as well as trauma and parenting difficulties that people have. And right now, I, I feel like people are experiencing a tremendous amount of difficulties uh, related to the COVID pandemic. And, you know, there's, it, it cuts across, you know, all the different things that I'm talking about, you know, people are suffering from anxiety, because they're fearful of what might happen to themselves or their loved ones, they are having relationship difficulties, because they're, you know, many of them are quarantined at home, um, and isolated at home with, you know, intimate 
partners. And, you know, while that could be very helpful for some, it can also lead to a lot of difficulties if those difficulties were present before, especially when they're not engaging in um, uh, interactions or at least face-to-face interactions with friends and family, other family members and, and uh, coworkers at work. So, you know, what we're doing is we're kind of um, in a situation now where um, some of the difficulties that we hadn't seen in the past or that were considered, you, you know, on the other hand, you know, were considered mental disorders in the past, like obsessive impulsive disorder. Um, that's the norm, right? If people are going into the street and avoiding everybody and washing their hands like excessively and doing all the things that we used to find as abnormal and now it's the norm and if you're not doing it you're considered abnormal and it, it, it kind of you know when you think about it just changes everything it changes kind of how you see yourself in the world totally and, i've, I've also know, seen people make jokes about how they struggle with being an introvert and so mm-hmm. now you have all the extroverts that are struggling because they're not getting to go out and so all the introverts are sitting back laughing going yeah how does it feel to be uncomfortable Exactly. So, you know, everything's kind of just turning around. And, you know, um, what I did was I saw a big drop in people seeking mental health services um, initially, the first, you know, several weeks of the pandemic. Uh, I guess people thought that, you know, time will pass and um, it won't be that long before you can resume your, your um, former way of life. You know, I think people are realizing now that this is they're kind of in for the long haul. And, you know, this is really affecting, you know, a vast majority of people. And, you know, people are starting to get to seek out help. And, you know, the biggest thing for me is that um, it's really important that people get the help that they need when they need it, rather than waiting, even during a pandemic, even during times where there may be um, difficulties that people experience with accessing that care. Um, It's important to find out what care is available and accessing it. You know, so to me, um, right now is a critical time. And and this is why, you know, especially I wanted to come onto your podcast, because I know a lot of people are suffering. And this is not limited to one country. This is all over the world. And, you know, the biggest take home, you know, that I hope that people can take from from me coming on the podcast today is really, you know, get help and get help when you need it, get help now rather than waiting until your problems, um, you know, blow up and and you can't handle them anymore unfortunately you know i've come across several people already that have attempted to commit suicide um largely because of things related to the pandemic um one was going through a horrible divorce um and the pandemic kind of um you know provided the impetus to that happening because they were you know the husband and wife were spending so much time together and they weren't happy to begin with but this kind of set them over the top another person lost a ton of money in the stock market i mean we know that there's market volatility all over the world at this point because of the pandemic and someone um this person you know felt that he wasn't going to be able to provide for his family and he lost his life savings and the third person lost their job and, and you know we hear about you know unemployment um increasing considerably um, across the world as well. And, you know, that's a function of the pandemic and people being, you know, not being able to kind of function, businesses not being able to function in the way that they once were able to. So these things are all, you know, additional risk factors. um, And it's so important to get the help before it gets to that point.
so true. And I really appreciate you coming on because we need more awareness. Just when you think everyone's starting to finally, you know, lift the veil and start, you know, talking about their own mental health struggles or being more receptive to loved ones in their lives that are struggling, um, then we still have people in silence. And I know at the moment, I've been saying it for a little while now, is my concern um, uh, is particularly like first time parents and mothers because a lot of, I'm not sure what it's like in the US at the moment, but here in Australia, we're having a lot of troubles around um, women that are birthing, only pretty much being alone. They're not allowed to have their husband or their partner or a support person, like a doula in there with them. And uh, even my sister gave birth recently and the baby's already over a month old now and I haven't met her. And so a lot of people are lacking that, uh, you know, that, that family connection, the society community connection. And yeah, I'm not sure if this is going to be the end of it. So definitely people need to be on the lookout and reaching out before it starts getting a bit uh, too difficult and troubling. Yeah, this is a tremendously difficult time for so many things, you know, people being sick in the hospital and not being able to be with loved ones, whether it's COVID related or not. I mean, it's tremendously hard, you know, a a time and, you know, I I say this somewhat um, lightly, but a time of, of a woman, you know, giving birth and having a baby that's supposed to be joyful and pleasurable, which, you know, I, I have uh, thoughts about, um, this kind of adds to that, the difficulties that one might experience associated with that, um, not having people around and people to help even with childcare, right? Because a lot of people are nervous about bringing anyone into their house at this point, or, and, and as you mentioned, are, are very limited in the hospital in terms of what they can have present, um, who they could have present um, to help them with birth and, and, and that kind of thing for, for women that are giving birth. And, um, and then seeing everybody with all these masks on, I mean, it, it, it's really hard, you know, and then if, if you lose someone during this time, unfortunately, I did, I, I lost my cousin um, to COVID. Oh, and so um, that. I, thank you. Yeah. So for me, it's really real. I mean, it's, you know, maybe more real than some other people, um, you know, this, this, this illness. And, you know, I wasn't able to be at the funeral and I wasn't able to, I, I, I was able to log in through Zoom remotely and that's what people are having to do except for immediate family. Um, but that's really hard, especially because I, you know, I wanted to hug my other family members and tell them that I'm here for them in, in a physical way as well. And I couldn't be, you know, I, I could be there, you know, emotionally to some degree uh, through a screen, uh, but it's definitely not the same. And right. And you know, people who are saying goodbye to their loved ones are nurses and doctors. Um, they're saying goodbye to the people that are dying, not not family and friends that normally would be there for people that are sick. And and that's really hard. And I'm going to tell you, first responders and, and medical personnel are going to be the next in line to really need a lot of um, mental health assistance. Mm. Right now, people are still in the, um, in the thick of it, you know, most, a lot of medical professionals are still needing to help people um, and, and high volumes of people, depending on where you are. Once that kind of settles down, they're going to need the help for the trauma that they've been experiencing. I mean, it's, it's intense trauma that they've been going through watching a significant number of people die and be very sick um, and then not have the family support that 
that they normally would and relying on these uh, medical personnel for that. So there's tremendous uh, concerns and issues. And I know that other people that were thinking about maybe getting pregnant are now thinking twice. Um, you know, they're worried about, you know, potentially getting COVID and, you know, whether or not, you know, this is the right time for them, right, to go ahead and try to conceive. Um, so there's a whole gamut of, of different things. And then once you give birth, you know, that there's concern about the baby and, and um, you know, whether the baby is going to get sick. And I know for a while we were talking about children really not being affected by this, but now we're finding out that children very well are affected by this. It's just in a different way. And we see it, um, adults and then, you know, the older population as well. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of layers here. For yeah, sure. definitely. And even with COVID itself, it's still such early days that we cannot possibly know everything about it yet. And, you know, they're predicting that it's going to take us years to really fully understand it. And so we need to remember that we are in a collective trauma, that everyone is experiencing this and that we're not alone, but to also sort of pay respect to that and to give ourselves a bit more grace. And like you, you've lost someone that you've known to COVID. And my concern in Australia is because we are starting to lift some restrictions is that it does seem, it does feel very far from us. And so a lot of people are getting quite complacent and acting as if it's already over. But the reality is that we are going to be going through this for a while longer because we just don't know what's going to happen. And so there's going to be lingering effects, including mental health difficulties with this. I was just wondering if you would feel comfortable sharing a bit about your own mental health journey. Sure. You know, going into the field uh, was something that I realized pretty early on that I wanted to do. Um, when I was growing up, I actually grew up in an impoverished area and I had several traumas um, when I was growing up, including, you know, being mugged and a number of different things that have happened. And along the way, I met some amazing people. Um, you know, so I was, I was quite young and um, I had some amazing friends. I had some amazing uh, parents of, of my friends who were there supporting me, helping me, coaching me, telling me what, uh, what path to take. Um, because of the area that I lived in, there were, there were definitely multiple paths and um, most of the paths led to uh, a very negative outcome. And um, because of these wonderful people in my life, um, I was able to choose a path um, that actually allowed me to become a psychologist um, and, and that very well could have gone a very different way. And um, what I realized was that, you know, watching all these people around me, um, you know, either get involved in drugs or um, crime or um, other things and drop out of school, you know, I, I, real, I realized that... Um, you know, we have the power to kind of shape our lives and, and either to go down that road or to not go down that road. And, you know, I, you know, I had a lot of help along the way, but I, but I chose to seek out that help. Right. And, you know, that's, that's what it comes down to. It's being resourceful. It's not always having the answers, right. It's not always knowing what to do, um, but knowing who to go to, to help you figure out what to do is, is really key. And, um, you know, so getting through this period and, and pursuing academics, 
um, really allowed me to um, say to myself, you know, this is, this is something that's really fascinating to me that our minds are so powerful um, and, and can help can, can help create an, an amazing experience and overcome such adver- adversity. Or it could, you could choose to go down a very negative path. And based on that, I, you know, I, I ended up um, at NYU, uh, New York University, um, and I took some psychology courses and I started doing some psychological research, um, particularly on children and actually parenting. Um, and I instantaneously became hooked. Um, you know, I, I was very interested at that point, you know, doing work on parenting about how children can go in such different directions. What, what are the factors? You know, are there innate factors that children uh, are born with? Um, are, is, it, is it mostly environmental? Is it a combination of the two? Um, whatever it happened to be, for me, it, um, it was very clear that, um, that our, our minds really have a, a huge impact. And, um, and, and, you know, after that point, it was very clear that I wanted to pursue my doctorate and become a psychologist so that I could, I could help other people, you know, that, that may be in either growing up in similar areas to the way I grew up or um, at the very least, um, you know, help people figure things out um, and make sense out of their lives and help them achieve what we talked about a little bit earlier, which is that idea of mental, mental health and well-being. You know, how do you get to a point where you're enjoying life and making the most of your life? Um, and so here I am, you know, that's, that's what I decided to do and um, learned a lot along the way and, and learned a lot about myself along the way. And it, it was, it was a very, you know, a, a wonderful experience. I really like what you said about it's not knowing what to do, but it's knowing who to go to to help because um, yeah, I've never thought about it that way, but you're right because often we can grow up thinking that we're supposed to know all the answers and we're supposed to know um, how to, I guess, fix ourselves or do better. But sometimes and often we do just need someone else to help us along the way. And even for myself, it took me seeing five different psychologists until I found the one that worked best for me. And so when we're talking about um, what you do for your own mental health or what you're doing with your clients, what advice do you have for helping people cope with the current pandemic and reintegration? The most important thing is to, um, to talk with others, to understand that this is a shared experience. You mentioned earlier that, you know, we're, we're not alone, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of other people are experiencing this and on a global level and knowing that we don't have to figure it all out and, and it doesn't have to be perfect. Right. You know, we might have had, we might have set our bar pretty high before this pandemic in terms of our, our work and our achievement and, and whatnot. Um, the hope is that, you know, everybody's going to be understanding at this point if we're um, achieving just a bit less. We're, we're, we're going to make a few more mistakes, right? Things are going to be a little bit muddy right now uh, because we've never been in this, this territory before. This is really unchartered. Um, our parents haven't been in this territory. Um, this is, these are all new experiences. We know very little about um, this disease. And more importantly, we know little about how to 
navigate this, right? You know, um, with every, you know, the vast majority of people that have jobs right now are working from home and, you know, we're starting to come out of that. Um, but as we come out of that, that's scary too. And, and not knowing what, what's going to happen, right? Or is, is there going to be an increase in cases? Um, it, you know, it, it's important that we acknowledge how we're feeling and acknowledge that everybody is entitled to feel different things right now. Um, as, as always, but I think especially right now through this pandemic. And it's important to reach out to other people. Um, and that doesn't have to be professional help. That means, you know, any type of help, you know, just seeking, seeking some help from others, but also doing things for yourself. So in this pandemic, you know, when we're feeling anxious, there's various techniques that we could use to really help ourselves, right? And so there's, there's a whole bunch of self-help things that we could do. And, and the great thing is that we're living in an era where we could download apps that help us do some of these things, right? So there's mindfulness, re, uh, progressive muscle relaxation, there's meditation, right? There's a whole range of different things that we can do. Um, and, you know, some of that can be easily Googled um, just to find out what, are we, what do people do when, they're, when, when they are anxious and stressed about things and worried about the future? What, what are some things that we could do? Um, and some of those things are these things that I'm mentioning. Um, you know, the whole idea is if there's a problem that you're not able to overcome with some of those methods, those self-help methods, that's when it's really important to seek out professional help. If you're not sleeping well, if you're not eating well, if you're noticing changes um, in your mood and such that you can't shake off, um, you know, all of these different things are signs that you may need some additional help. And it's really important to get that help sooner rather than later. And the great thing about it is we, we do live in this era that, as, as I mentioned, you know, there's apps to help you, but there's also professionals that are providing services via telehealth. And that's amazing, right? So if we, if we were in this pandemic, you know, 30 years ago, even, right, we, we wouldn't have these resources that we have now. We have technology that we never, um, we, we, we didn't have available to us not that long ago. And so my practice right now is, is solely um, using telehealth. And I use a HIPAA secure, um, which is a, um, a private and secure network um, or, or um, software program that I use to communicate with clients. I see them as well as talk with them. The research shows that it's as effective as in-person therapy, which is, which is phenomenal. Um, I mostly practice um, from a cognitive behavioral standpoint. However, I integrate a lot of other things um, such as motivation and mindfulness and meditation, um, you know, communication, all those things into uh, the work that I do. Um, but I use various strategies that I'm able to do with patients um, right online um, through this secure um, um, software that I use. And I have an online um, medical record with an online portal. So I'm able to share documents with my clients and they're able to share things with me. And so the technology really supports, um, you know, this new way of working. And, you know, we're getting better and better at it. But we're also acknowledging that it's not going to be smooth sailing at all times. And that's for everyone, you know, me as a mental health provider, but um, everyone else 
in their in their life, whether it be professional life or personal life, um, you know, we're going to have struggles, and it's important to acknowledge that those struggles are going to uh, going to exist and going to be present. Mm, that's so great that you've navigated how to make it all work for you as well to still be able to provide your services to those that really need it, especially during this time. And it's funny when you were talking before about how this is like our first time going through something like this, because I remember clearly when things started to feel like they were getting more serious, you know, we were starting to pay attention more to the news and hear about what was going on. Um, Because my brother lives in Hong Kong and and they've been in lockdown since the beginning of the year. So he, we already sort of had an idea because he had been telling us what had been happening. And then in Australia, um, it was before we went into lockdown. I remember looking to my husband and thinking, should we be keeping her home? Because our daughter had just started going to school and we made that decision before that the official sort of lockdown procedures mm-hmm. were going into place. And it's scary because now now schools are open again and people are sending their children back. And we are just really having to have a lot of faith in our government and the people around us while also doing our own research. And yeah. it's so much responsibility and you're put in this place where you never thought you would have to deal with anything like this, which is scary, but also important. It's a it's an important reminder that these things happen and we have to learn how to be resilient. And at times we're going to need to develop these new, you know, skills and problem solving. And there's a lot that's going on at the moment. I was just wondering who for you has supported you the most or where have you found the most support through all of this? Well, I mean, when I was in graduate school, clearly um, there were mentors along the way that kind of helped me through it. I I could tell you that um, in graduate school, there were some rough times and I I needed that to kind of push me through it. Um, Getting your doctorate sometimes is uh, is challenging. I could tell you that. I love that Um, you say that because I actually (laughs) literally just yesterday was messaging a friend who's also still studying psychology. And, um, you know, when you realize how long it takes, yeah. And it's a lot. Yeah, I totally get yeah, that. So, so, you know, I'm on the other end of things now. So it kind of, um, it's a long time ago, but, uh, but I recall that, um, that especially at the beginning, it was, it was a big adjustment because I was uh, in classes um, sometimes for, you know, eight hours straight through. And then I had um, to do research and I also had to do clinical work. So it was, it was, there were long weeks, I could say that. And, you know, mm. dissertation was, uh, was a long process too. So, but uh, I'm through that now. And, and, you know, most recently, um, and, and throughout my practicing, it's been my colleagues, um, you know, psychologists, I, I have tons of friends um, and colleagues that are psychologists, psychiatrists, um, and other mental health professionals, social workers. And, um, you know, I rely on them quite a bit and they rely on me. And, you know, we process things together, we talk through things, you know, some things are very stressful. You know, I worked in forensic psychology for a while. And, you know, when, when you're um, providing a a report for the courts, right, you know, every word that you you say kind of is scrutinized. So, you know, having those people who you can reach out to and kind of talk things through and, 
you know, get affirmation sometimes that you're making the right decisions when you, when you have to make some important decisions is so important. And, you know, I just have some wonderful people in my life that I've been able to rely on for that. And they've been able to do the same with me. Um, we've called each other and frequently um, asked each other questions, asked each other for support. And then, you know, therapists also get traumatized, right, by, um, by the things that they hear and, and see. And, you know, so we also help each other um, so that we can, we can continue to help other people, right? Because, you know, if you let the traumas build up, you're not going to be very available for the people that you need to be. Yeah, you're so right. And it's so great that you have such a good support network around you. I often find that we sort of are drawn to each other in the psychology field or people that have an interest in psychology because it's sometimes it feels like no one else gets it because we can get so passionate about a certain topic or a certain theory that we're really into at the moment. And I'm just constantly learning because I definitely am not expecting to know everything. And I just love that everyone seems to have their own little niche or when you find people that very much align with you and you can really bounce ideas off each other. And because I'm a school counselor at the moment, um, I definitely learned very quickly that I needed to have someone around me to process and talk about some of the difficult things that I was having to deal with, with students. And because we're human as well. And of course we are also going to need someone to help us acknowledge and process our feelings. What is some of the best advice or the help that you've received? Well, you know, I I think that, some of the best advice that I've, that I've come across and that I've heard from others tell me. And, you know, it, th- this, this advice is kind of hard. I, I think it's a little harsh in, in the sense that it's hard as a, as a mental health professional to, to actually heed this. But, um, you know, we as mental health professionals want to go in and, and, and save people and help them and, you know, help everybody feel better. Um, I think that's at least the people that are, that are really motivated to be in this field um, want to do that. And um, the most, the best advice that I've got been given is that it's important to show restraint in doing that. Um, when we go in with techniques and um, ways to solve people's problems um, without, first of all, understanding what the problem is in the first place, and sometimes we don't. And the second part of it is, is that we can't change what other people, we can't change anyone. We can't make someone do anything. Um, what we have to do is help people figure out what they want, not just tell you, you know, I want, I want to feel happier, but acknowledge what it's going to take to get there. Right. And, and what it's going to take to get to that change and also what that change is going to look like. Right. People want to be happier sometimes. Right. But they don't want to be happier in their current situation. Right. Well, I have no power as a professional to change your situation, right? If you're in a marriage that is not very happy, right? I'm not going to be able to change your partner. Um, I can help you be happier in your relationship with that same partner, if that's what you want. But that would mean that, that you have to be good with that, right? You'd have to be good that the other, you know, with the fact that the other person may not see eye to eye with you and you're still going to be happy. Um, but if you're looking to change your partner, that's really not going to work, right? Same thing, you know, with a parent and their kids or with a kid, you know, not liking their teacher, right? So 
you know, what I've learned is that, you know, what I, what I, what I learned is that people need to be ready to take the actions that are necessary to get there, um, to get to change, but also they have to be understanding of what that change is going to look like and whether they're comfortable or not with that change. Um, that's occurring. We might think we want something that we might not actually want when we start to look at it a little bit more deeply. So what I do is um, before I help anybody, I, I, I discuss motivation. I discuss, you know, what kind of change they want, what it's going to involve, and then what it's going to look like. And the client actually has to convince me that that's really what they want before I'll actually um, help them get there. So I won't give them strategies and skills and such until they've agreed to that. And then I can do what I can do is help them develop skills, utilize strategies, and then, you know, it's going to be on them to actually practice them and, and integrate them into their life. What I've realized that when I'm working harder than the client is in sessions, um, it, 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 it ends up not working out. Um, and that unfortunately is what a lot of therapists end up doing. That is such good insight. And you're right, because it's all intrinsic, right? You're not going mm -hmm. to make any changes unless you actually want to deep down inside you. And recently I launched my Gentle Motherhood membership where I help mothers who may have some unresolved traumas. I help guide them on their healing journey. And I've mentioned that to them as well, that I can offer certain classes or certain techniques, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's up to them to want to implement change. And so we did all do all that pre-work talking about why are you here? What are you wanting to get out of it? How do you want to feel by the end of this? And so we developed a sort of like a pathway um, mm -hmm. with five different stages of going through that healing journey and what each stage may look like and feel like and what they're achieving. And it's so helpful, not only for them, but even for me to know exactly what to provide them and when and get as specific as possible on what that's going to look like. But yeah, ultimately it's up to the other person to want to do that. And you're right. I love that. We shouldn't be working harder than the client. That's hilarious. It's so true. I know sometimes I feel like that working with my students in counseling sessions. So are there any other tools or resources that you like to use or that you've learned a lot from? So related to this idea is, um, someone I've been very influenced by, which is the work of uh, Dr. David Burns. Uh, he's a psychiatrist. Um, he has several books. Um, one of them is the, the be a bestseller um, calling Feeling Good, The New Mood Therapy. And um, he's done, he's ha he has a number of different books. And, and his big thing is that motivation piece that I was talking about that's really key. Um, and he has lots of interesting um, methods and things that people can utilize to, to help themselves. And he also um, obviously provides um, training and, and help with uh, for therapists that are doing the work. So, you know, that's something that people can, can easily, very easily pick up, um, feeling good, the new mood therapy, uh, that book, or, you know, look up his name and you'll see a ton of other books for specific problems that may people may have that was the first book that he did but he has the feeling good handbook now and he's actually coming up with a new book uh very good very uh very soon in addition 
to that, he has a podcast as well, where he, he gives free, um, free help to people, essentially. Um, and, and, you know, that uh, can be looked up on a podcast uh, player, and it's feeling good. Uh, the new mood therapy is, is what the name of the podcast is by David Burns. So I, I would strongly recommend that people look into that if they are looking for some self-help um, or, or want to learn even more about, you know, their different types of therapies. Now, I know before we were talking about how everyone is struggling during this time. So do you have something that you can offer those that may be listening that might be in a dark place at the moment? Yeah, I think that, you know, this will end. Um, we, we may not know exactly when. Um, we don't, we may not know how it's going to look at the other end. Um, but we're going to get through this pandemic um, as a world um, in each country. Um, and, you know, we have a lot of really smart people working very, very hard on vaccines um, as well as cures. Um, and, and just know that, um, you know, we are in this together and, you know, this is a shared um, difficulty, but also uh, we have the shared responsibility to kind of help each other through this. So um, just know that, you know, you're not alone and, and that together um, with other people um, and with the rest of the world, um, we, will, we will come out on the other end of things. And, you know, I just want to mention something that I think is a really important thing that um, I, I strongly believe, and that's in something called post-traumatic growth. Um, anything that we experience that might be traumatic or difficult for us um, also has some positive that can come out of it. And it's really important that we see those positives, that we try to not just focus on the negative. Um, and uh, post-traumatic growth is this idea that we can grow in a positive way from growing through a trauma. So one, one way just to kind of provide an example um, of, of what I see people developing and growing in, through this right now is our use of technology. Um, you know, even telehealth, you know, it, it's, it's blossomed. You know, it, it's gotten to a point where people are really getting good at it. Um, you know, you have primary care physicians all the way through, you know, psychiatrists and, and others that are using telehealth quite effectively. And whereas they may have been very nervous and, and concerned about using it previously, and now people are using it and feel a lot more comfortable. And the technology um, that they're using for telehealth is, is getting better and stronger as well. I mean, never did Zoom think, I would imagine that this many people were gonna be using Zoom at the same time. So their infrastructure has gotten considerably better. They've also worked on security. Um, in a way that they hadn't before because the need is there. So I think there's lots of different things that we're going to see positive things grow out of this. Um, but, you know, that's just an example of one of them. So it's really important that we not just focus on the negative and not just focus on what we wish we, we would even want to have right now, but what we have and what we have control over. So we're coming to the end of the podcast now. Do you have any last bits of advice or tips relevant to mental health and well-being for our audience? Yeah, you know, I, I think that um, it's important for us to know that our mind often plays tricks on us. What depression is, is a focus on the past, right? You know, 
and we focus on the past and what we might have not done right or what might have gone wrong or what we might have wished would have happened instead of what did. Anxiety is often the focus on the future and what we think might happen. Neither one of these things do we have any control over, right? But our mind is allowing us to focus on these things, but not even focus in a realistic way. We, we have these things called cognitive distortions that get in the way of a rational thought, right? It, they, they distort our thought process. We, see, we have goggles on or glasses on that are, um, that are colored and, and they're skewing our perception of things. We're skewing our perception of the past, skewing our, skewing our perception of the future. Um, and what we have control over and what we know is true is what's in the present, what's, what's in the here and now, um, that we can do something about, that we can change. So when our mind goes into the past or the future, you know, and, and this, this relates directly to mindfulness, it, it's a matter of training our minds to go back into the present. It's helping ourselves get back to where we are now, what we have available to us, what we have control over right now, and doing what we, what we need to do to make our life as good as possible and deal with whatever situations emerge in the best way possible right now rather than worrying about what might happen or what did happen. That's amazing advice. Thank you so much for offering that. I know we've gotten so much goodness out of you. Do you have any offers at the moment for anyone uh, who might be wanting to look more into a service from you? Yeah, so I offer uh, free 15-minute consultations for everyone that contacts me. And for me, um, you know, as you mentioned, Crystal, um, you know, an important thing is about fit, right? And, and feeling that you're connected with the person that you're working with, you know, mental health, especially, that's so important. And um, as a result, you know, I, I, I know 15 or 20 minutes is not a whole lot of time, but it gives the other person a chance before they pay anything um, to get to know a little bit about me, a little bit about how I work, for me to get to know them a little bit, to know what we might be working on um, to see if we would be a good fit for each other so that we could, you know, so that we could determine whether or not they're likely to benefit and, and be happy working with me. Um, just to, you know, reiterate, I am licensed um, in New York and New Jersey in the U S um, and I am providing telehealth right now uh, for New York and New Jersey residents. Um, I do provide in-person treatment in Cranford, New Jersey, um, when we're not you know, dealing with the pandemic and, and safety concerns. I'm, and I'm not sure exactly when I'm going to resume in-person sessions, whether or not um, the state allows it, um, pr primarily because it is so effective to do online treatment. And, um, you know, I don't see a reason why putting, why you would put someone at risk if you can do um, treatment quite effectively online. Um, but when it is safe to do so, I mean, I love my office and I love people coming to my office and me meeting with people face-to-face -face, um, in person rather than face-to-face -face online. So, you know, when it's possible, um, I will do that as well. But um, I am providing services actively right now via telehealth. Thank you so much for everything you have shared with us today, Dr. Craig Springer. I 
cannot thank you enough. All your knowledge and goodness. I've had so many moments. I'm just sitting here nodding my head the whole time. <laughs> and for anyone listening, if you would like some more information or if you would like to book an session, um, you can do so at the Good Life Center for Mental Health and you can go to the website, goodlifecenternj.com. I'll also make sure to link below um, his Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn uh, handle so that you can find him there as well. And I really want to wish you all the best with your health and stay safe during this time, Craig. Again, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today. I wish you the best too. And it was, it was great being on here. Thank you for having me.